Welcome to the Freelance Sucks. Here we'll discuss the dark side of freelancing about which nobody usually talks out loud. In this show, we speak with experienced freelancers and I'm sure listening to their stories helps you prepare for freelancers' challenges. My name is Yuri. I'm a community builder at Code Control and 9am.works. And my guest is Nermin Sehic, a full-stack developer with over eight years of experience in web and mobile development and startup founder who employs and works with freelancers on a daily basis. So. Welcome, Nermin. Hi, uh, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Super happy to talk to you. And for you, what is the most challenging part of being a freelancer? Do I have to pick one or I can talk about like several? <laughs> like if there are more, let's talk about all of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, th there's definitely more. Um, the first one is, um, Okay, I'm gonna start easy, uh, like <laughs> find, finding a good project to work on. Uh, people think, oh, especially in software development, oh, there's so much demand for software developers. It must be so easy for you to find a job or, or something like that. But once you kind of go uh, a bit deeper in, uh, you notice like there's a lot of uh, jobs that are just ridiculous uh, in the sense that either the, the pay is too low or the amount of work that it's required is ridiculous, like out of out of this world yeah. um or even if you find a cool job it's like three months of work um so that that pressure of finding a, a good freelance gig that can last like six months to a year that pays well you have a client that has a good communication understand that you're a freelancer not like a 24 member uh on the team that you can always respond to their messages and stuff that it's very difficult and usually uh you can if you're just starting your freelancing career and then you're trying to build on different projects and then uh, at one point you might uh, see that it kind of bounces back from uh, from the other side like you're not getting the, the feedback that you want it can have like a very uh, bad psychological effect on you that you might just decide to quit um so i'd say that's one of the challenges definitely uh financial reasons of obviously uh, either the client doesn't pay or, or you lose a job, like something that happened in the recent uh, months due to the layoffs in the US, it also affected uh, Europe as well. Uh, you just get an email, hey, we appreciate your work, it's been great, but starting Monday, you can just like, you know, turn off your Slack, we don't need you anymore. Which is fine, that's why you have a high rate, because you're a freelancer, you're kind of a disposable asset, you're there kind of as an extension of the team, it's, it's, all, it's all understandable from the business point, but just like, when you're working there and then preparing for that mentally that you can be laid off at any time, it's uh, it's also kind of challenging and it's not for everybody. So you have to be very responsible with your financials. You know, always have a, a, a buffer, some money aside to to help you go and going. Um, logistical issues like you're a freelancer, you have to do all of your taxes, you have to uh, you know pay your pension, your health insurance, whatever, all the crap that you are required by law. Uh, bank things are killing you. Uh, <laughs> so from somebody to pay you something from US to Europe, that goes like seven different banks. Every bank takes a fee. Uh, I was once once angry at the bank because they took like two percent of my uh, income, uh, and then I asked them, "Okay, why are you taking two percent?" And then they gave me like a detailed um, uh, PDF of why the two percent is, and then you can actually see how this uh, financial system works. Like it doesn't go directly from one bank to another. Goes like from a local bank to a regional bank, and then an overseas bank, and then again to regional bank, and then a local bank. 
and then the conversion between USB and whatever currency <laughs> we're in, and then blah 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, okay, I understand why it's fifty percent. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I would say. Those are the challenges. <laughs> it's just it's just the beginning, you know. I will name this episode "Why Not to Become a Freelancer." <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, no. I didn't say it. so. <laughs> this is just like a minor challenge you need to overcome. Your great and minor, minor challenges. Okay, so <laughs> minor challenges. <laughs> I, I, Although I, uh, it's it's something that you would probably have to deal in one point or another if you're a business owner. So it's uh, it's not really strictly related to freelancing. So it's it's a common business problem. It's just you're alone, so it's kind of a more burden on you. So I've heard before about um, finding projects, about negotiating salaries, but tell me about receiving a feedback. You told that it's hard to receive a feedback as a freelancer. Um, well, when you apply for a project and you, you don't get it, people usually will not tell you why you didn't get it because you're you're probably one of like a thousand applicants to that. I don't know, thousand, like hundred applicants usually per, per job. Uh, so the HR manager or startup founder or whoever you're you're trying to negotiate with doesn't really have time or interest in in um, giving you a feedback why they didn't hire you. Maybe if you went in like an inner um, decision circle, like maybe you went to the other people and you don't get the project, they might tell you, okay, we chose this person because he was cheaper or geographically closer or has this particular experience in this particular area we're really interested in. Uh, but those are very rare moments and usually that happens when you're already experienced and you kind of uh, know your way around the freelancing uh, bidding business. But once you're starting, you just have to prove yourself uh, and you apply to a project. Usually you will not get a feedback if you don't get it, which might be a bit difficult because you, you don't know what to improve. There's no communication from the other side. So you just have to assume, okay, it's them and not me. Uh, or you have to assume if it's me, why why am I making a mistake? Why am I not getting a project? Which is again difficult because you've never gotten a project before, so you don't know what to improve. So it's a chicken and an egg situation, which is very difficult. Uh, uh, and I see a lot of people give up on their freelancing career because of it. And how did you manage with? Uh, how did you deal with this challenge? Um, I, I tried several different things. So I what I learned is that uh, when you're bidding for a project, having a portfolio is very important. And at the very beginning, because you don't have any project, there's no portfolio to show. So uh, I kind of made up uh, some of the projects that I'm working on. Like I did a personal project for a, a fiction company that, that didn't exist, like food delivery or something. And just, you know, built an app uh, and then posted it on my GitHub. I was contributing to a lot of open source projects. So when somebody asked me, what did you do? I sent them a link to like 10 different projects. And what happens, uh, usually the HR manager is not a tech person. So when you send them a link uh, for a huge community project that has like 10,000 endorsements on GitHub, <laughs> and then there's your name and like one of the million commits, they're like, oh my God, this person is a rock star, <laughs> even though you fixed like a label or a typo or something. So it really, <laughs> I mean, that's true. I got one job because <laughs> I contributed to a, a repository that had a typo. I, I, I was annoyed by the typo. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you do what you got to do. Um, and I was also trying to uh, work my way through several different uh, platforms. Um, so obviously Upwork is, is probably somebody's uh, first go-to place, but then I also found some other other places and I, I was trying to kind of uh, dedicate my time into building a good profile on all of them. I built my own personal website, I started to write blogs, uh, I was active on Stack Overflow, so all of the things that were kind of giving me exposure 
So when somebody types my name in Google, uh, you know, something comes up uh, and then it kind of gives me credibility. It shows people that I'm engaged into um, into the community and that uh, I know what I'm talking about. That's, I think, the most important thing. How did you find it out? How did you start your, like, all this um, adding, like, giving to the community? How do you start kind of building your brand? Um, it's, I, I gotta say, it's, it, ha it doesn't happen overnight, so it takes a lot of time uh, into it. If you're a developer, obviously, GitHub is going to be your number one uh, kind of tool. You start from there, and if you follow people around, you see, like, most of the top Top community leaders, let's say, top people in the community uh, usually have their blogs. So you read them, you follow them, you learn through them, and then you at one point say, okay, yeah, I could do this. I have something to share. Uh, you'll maybe start a medium medium blog, and then you'll figure out, okay, yeah, maybe I can do something a bit more creative. I'll host my own thing. I'll do a podcast. Uh, you know, so these things kind of start to come in as, as you're working. You feel comfortable, you know, sharing more, doing more. Um, Uh, at one point, I even started to get invited to uh, talk to conferences, to meetups. Uh, so it's kind of like a snowball effect. Once you start, uh, it kind of grows bigger. And then over, I don't know, like a span of two, three years, you might be able to build a solid brand, uh, have your name, have some credibility. Uh, by that time, you will also get several projects. So your portfolio is going to look good. And that's how you kind of um, yeah, make an impact. Yeah, exactly. You know, what what you are saying is just warming my heart because I totally feel how it works and I totally know how that it doesn't work overnight and you have to be very consistent and continue doing stuff even though you might receive no feedback. So kudos to you for doing that. And, you know, you talked already about like a full range of challenges, but what is the most time consuming thing you've dealt as a freelancer? Um... This might be an advertisement for code control, but uh, before that, it was looking for new projects. Um, definitely takes a lot of time for you to research. You find a project and you have to bid on it. You have to give a description, several interviews and calls, stuff like that. Um, what I liked about code control when I became a member of the agency is, well, there's a person who is basically doing all of that work for me. And then mm. it just lands kind of in my inbox, which kind of helped me focus more on, on some other things. So uh, I would say that was the most time consuming uh, thing for me. And what is the most nerve consuming thing? Um, payments. <laughs> um, what happens usually, I mean, in most of the cases I didn't have, um, I, I would say I didn't, I never had like a particularly negative experience. I maybe had like one or two clients never paid like some smaller invoices. Uh, but when you're you're a freelancer, you only maybe have one project, and uh, the pay that you have is somewhere on the edge of, um, you know, covering all of your bills. Yeah. Uh, if the invoice is late, uh, due to whatever reason, like it could be bank issue, the the client didn't have time to to do the invoice because they're like all over the place. How do you communicate? First of all, you're frustrated that the invoice is late, but how do you communicate it in a nice way so the person doesn't get offended or doesn't terminate your contract, but you're like too annoying? I don't know. Imagine you're working for some millionaire with like a thousand employees and then you're writing, hey, my 5k invoice is, is late. Can you can you help me out? You're like 20 year old broke student somewhere in, in remote part of the world. So that was that was really uh, my frustration for a long period of time uh, until I managed to get into a pay grade where I don't really care if an invoice is late because 
yeah. you start to make some serious money and then even if it's late you have some buffer uh and after that you kind of get to uh, i got more into uh, a b2b relationships where uh, those things don't really happen so but at the very beginning like when you need the money the most uh in that early stage of your freelancing career that's where the invoices are are late the most which is kind of frustrating yeah exactly i, to- I totally hear you and feel you and yeah <laughs> totally so if your friend wanted to become a freelancer what are top three things you'd advise them to consider before doing it Um, my first advice would be not to, um, not to start full-time freelancing from day one, uh, because there's just so many things that can go wrong and, uh, you have at least your own life to kind of take care of and potentially you have family or something. So my advice would be to maybe start a part-time thing alongside with your current job, if you have any, uh, because that will relieve you some of the pressure that, for example, um, I had when I radically switched to freelancing. Um, second thing is to, uh, as we talked about uh, before, build your own brand. Um, it will give you more credibility to the other, what I do, uh, what I did in the recent period when I was, um, freelancing, I, I tried to position myself in the shoes of a person who is receiving my application and try to judge myself from their perspective. Like, I don't know, you have a person living in California. I am, I'm a freelancer from Bosnia and I'm applying to a job. Like there's a huge difference in like mentality and culture and geographic difference and like time zones and whatever. So for me to approach that person and for that person to like me, a lot of things has to align. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm drinking coffee in California. And then an email comes from some Nermini in Sarajevo. How can I stand out and make this guy like me? And then we can have a conversation face to face after which I'm confident I'm able to convince him I can work for him. So that's how I, uh, I started to kind of think about my applications and bits and it's really helped me out. Um, and the third thing I would say is you have to really be persistent. Uh, even when things seem that they're not going in their best direction, persistency and just trying to improve, uh, your process is, is something that, uh, should help you out in the long way. Exactly. I, you know, like I, I really wish to have the sky's limit, Nerman, but time is the limit. And the final question. If you were starting freelancing today, what is mm-hmm. one thing you would have done differently? If I was starting my freelancing career today, um, maybe at the very beginning, I would be more um, strict in terms of uh, what projects I'm taking on. Uh, I got into a loop of, uh, at one point, point during my beginning of my freelancing career, I wasn't able to get like a proper project. So I just took whatever came into my plate, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, a thousand euro project, which was worth 10,000 euros. Uh, and then I noticed I lost a lot of energy and time into building that for no or little, um, financial income. And if I hadn't done that, maybe I could have invested the time into actually looking for something a different, better, you know, my, or at least do something personal that could help my portfolio. Uh, it's difficult because if you have like a financial pressure, you have to take something. Uh, but I, I did quite a few of those at the very beginning, which didn't really have a much of an uh, impact on me in terms of professional development, but took a lot of uh, energy from, uh, from my like daily, daily activities that I really didn't have a desire to, to work on something. Uh, after that so uh, i probably would have been more patient um 
which is easy to say from this perspective, but uh, yeah, maybe that's something that I would do differently. Yeah, but I feel it's something that comes with experience, you know, because I can imagine like a new newcomer freelancer and like receiving a project like the first. No, 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 I will pass on it. It's like too low, too. Low. But I feel yeah. like you know, because... out of the experience, I feel like that's exactly what people have to do because because you, know, you feel like okay this is my only opportunity if i don't take this project i'm never going to work again in my yeah, life yeah, uh, yeah, so you yeah. just take it and maybe you missed an opportunity and like two days after that something new might come up uh, which is like 10 times better um i'm not saying just like skip on every project but like the stupid ones uh where people are trying to take advantage of you uh those those i would skip yeah, exactly. Totally agree. So, Nerman, thank you very much for sharing your challenges and for having such an open conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me and all the best. And thank you so much for listening. If you liked the episode, hit the like button or five stars and share it with your friend. That's it. We're done. See you in the next episode.